God's never failed and he's not gonna fail you now. He didn't bring you this far to let you drown. You know, he, he's got a plan. We may not see it, but it's a plan and it's a good plan. And I know that God's got a word for you today and I'm so glad you're here, even if it's cold. Some of you guys from up north are going, what wimps you guys are. This is crazy. This is summertime, you know? God's got something to warm your heart, to encourage you today. And we need encouragement. You know, you go through the week, you kind of get beat up, you need encouragement. Now, it kind of lifted my spirits when the Texans won. I mean, that, that lifts your spirits, you know? Yeah. We get excited about that. But God wants to lift your spirits in a powerful, personal way, because every one of us carry a hidden hurt. We all go through difficulties, and we all have problems we're facing that only God can take away, and only God can get us through. So let's go to him right now, and I know that whether you're worshiping with us online or whether you're at our Atascacita campus with Pastor Daniel, and it's amazing, we love our Atascacita campus, or here at the Woodlands campus, I know that God's got something for you today. And if you thought, you know what, it's kind of cold out, I'm not sure if I'm gonna go to church today, and you came, God's gonna really speak to you. It's the times you don't feel like coming to church, but yet you do, out of a habit, obeying God, where he speaks to you the most. And he's gonna do that right now. Isn't it amazing how you can do one thing, one step of faith, and it changes your life forever? And I believe that for so many of us today, we're gonna look back on this day and say, God, you did something on that day that I will never forget, and I'm so glad I was at church. I'm so glad I connected online. I'm so glad that I was there for you to give me that word that I needed. So let's pray. God, we come before you today, and we thank you that only you can do true miracles, for you're the only one that can change a life, and your word is life-changing. So I pray, Lord, that you would just do that today as we look at your word. I know that we can apply it directly to our lives. Lord, I love your word. It always tells us the truth. It doesn't try to hide anything. And Lord, it's your word that changes our lives because it always has something to say about everything we're going through. It's always so practical and we can put it into our lives. So help us do that and change us and strengthen us, and encourage us. And Lord, I, I just pray for miracles. I, I just sense from you that you wanna bring about some huge life change today. You wanna do some breakthroughs today. You wanna heal some marriages today. You wanna restore families today. You wanna heal bodies today. You wanna heal broken emotions, and you, Lord, wanna heal deep wounds that only you can heal. So do that for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. When our kids were teenagers, we did this crazy bucket list vacation, and we went to New York City for New Year's Eve, and yes, we went to Times Square to see the ball drop. Unfortunately, over a million other people had the same idea as they do every year, and as soon as we walked onto Times Square, you could feel the excitement in the air. I mean, I just felt like this was going to be an unbelievable experience for our family. 
I mean, why else would a million people gather together in one place and wait for hours, all crammed together? And there's not, you can't leave to go to the restroom. You know, you're just there. You're just stuck there, crammed into pens, you know, with people from all over the world. But I just had this feeling this was going to be unbelievable. Then it got even better. They gave us these goofy hats and these crazy glasses for free. And I thought, this is going to be really cool. And I'm thinking, man, we're at the center of the universe right now. The world is watching. And as it got closer to midnight, the anticipation just continued to build. The crowd got louder and louder. You sensed the eyes of the world were watching. And then the ball began to drop. The countdown began. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, Two, one, woo, and we went crazy. Everyone went nuts. We were high-fiving each other, hugging each other. I gave Chris a huge kiss as we entered the new year, and then it was over, and that was it. That was it. (laughs) Folks, after the ball drops, that's it. And I realized we waited hours, and the ball drops. There's nothing else to do after that other than fight about a million people wearing goofy hats trying to get home. And one thing I didn't realize that was kind of cool is that as soon as the ball drops and you're seeing all Lang Syne, you look down and it's about two foot deep confetti and trash that you really walk through. It's just crazy. And who knows what else is under there? And you, you walk through all that trash and then about a hundred sanitation trucks Street cleaners just come out, kind of ruin the mood right there, you know. They come out and start cleaning it all up so everything's perfect on New Year's Day. Now, after that once-in-a-lifetime experience, and I mean once-in-a-lifetime experience, you know, okay, been there, done that, I I thought about it and I thought, what is it about the human race where a million people want to cram together in one place and wait for hours just to count down the last seconds of the year and celebrate the new year. What is it about New Year's Eve that we get so excited about? I think it's something about new beginnings. We all have this craving for a fresh start. We all love the thought of being able to get out the sanitation truck and and just sweep away all of the failures and the trash and the mess and the missed opportunities and the mistakes behind us from that year and start over. See, every one of us in this room today have been given a great gift from God, a new year. And God wants you and me to make the most of it. And the only way to take advantage of this time that God has given us is to recognize that All time is God's time. You know, this Christmas Eve, God did so much, so much life change. It was the biggest crowds we've ever had at Woodlands Church, and I think it was over 560 people committed their life to Christ. Their eternal destinies are forever changed. Now they're grown in Christ, and some of those people were you, and God just, oh, it's amazing. And I was was just so proud of our team. You know, and so many work behind the scenes, you never see them, all the tech team working behind the scenes, and then all our volunteers out here, and then our worship team, and and band, and all the services that they did, and 
And right before the very last service, I was backstage and the whole team gathers and they pray before they go out. And, and then Josh said, hey dad, come just give us a cheer or something, you know, just fire us up, it's, it's the last service. And so, you know, I gave my little pregame speech and then they said, come in, let's do a cheer. And I said, okay. And I came in, everybody come in, you know, come in, let's crowd in, put your hand in there. And, and I pulled out that old Chicago Bulls 1994 championship Michael Jordan chant before they would go out. What time is it? Game time. What time is it? Game time. What time is it? Game time. I don't know what they said after that, but then we just, we went out there and I just let my hair down. Chris looked more beautiful than ever, and everybody gave it all they got. If you came to that last service, then you know it was the best service. Now, really, as I think about it, the whole team, instead of saying game time, if they were more spiritual, they would have said God time, but they're not. So they didn't think of that, <laughs> and I didn't either, you know? It's like, what time is it? God time. What time is it? That was pathetic, but anyway. <laughs> what time is it? Time. What time is it? Time. What time is it? It is. It's God time. The time we've been given is not our time. It all belongs to God. You see, there's something called God's standard time, and it cuts through all time zones. And God's standard time is what we have to synchronize our hearts to in order to really sees the divine moments that make all the difference in our lives. And God's standard time is not on our time. God doesn't try to coordinate with our calendar. God's standard time stands alone. And we have to set our hearts and our personal clocks to experience all that God has for us to God's standard time. God's standard time is perfect. It's precision time because God is always on time. So I want us to look at an obscure book in the Old Testament, Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter two. It's an obscure book. Very rarely do we look at it or Christians look at it, but it was written by Habakkuk the prophet who was inspired by God. And so would you stand in honor of God's word? And we see that Habakkuk the prophet had a vision from God that was going to come through and come to pass. And that God was gonna answer his prayers, but he looked all around him and all he saw was injustice. He saw that evil was triumphing and that God's good people weren't being provided for and it seemed like everything was just upside down in his world. And it looked like God was not gonna come through. And he was thinking, God, what's happening here? I don't see my prayers being answered. I don't see your promises coming true. But then God speaks to him this promise, and he wants to speak it to you and me today. In Habakkuk 2.3, but these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. You can be seated. I love that. They will not be overdue a single day. God says, hey, it may seem slow to you, but it's not going to be overdue a single day. My timing is perfect. 
So God gives Habakkuk this promise that he's going to come through and set everything straight, that he's going to answer all his prayers, that God is going to fulfill all of his promises, and God says it's going to happen at just the right time, God's standard time. But then he gives the prophet a warning. He's totally truthful with him. He says, God's standard time may not always seem like the right time to you at times. It may not seem like the perfect time to you, but it is. And he says, if it seems slow to you, don't give up, don't despair. It's going to happen. Just be patient. The problem is we hate to wait. Whether it's sitting at the doctor's office or waiting on I-45 in bumper-to-bumper traffic, or waiting for a table at a restaurant. We as human beings, we just hate to wait, and we especially struggle with waiting on God. You know, have you ever been in a hurry when God wasn't? It's so frustrating. God, I'm praying for this really good thing. I know it's your will. I mean, it's a great thing. It's got to be your will, so why aren't you coming through? And you're in the waiting room of life, and you realize that God's standard time is not always running on your schedule, and then I have to realign my human clock to God's clock, and I hate that. Now, I know some of you are so much more spiritual than me, and you're just so grateful for waiting on God. You just love to wait. You just love to be in a long, long line. No, you don't. You're not that spiritual. None of us like to wait. So how do I know that I can trust God's standard time? How do I know that God's timing is really always perfect? And it's really interesting that he says, you know, just be patient because, you know, it's going to spring up quickly. He's saying, you know, don't despair because it's going to happen quickly. But yet, you need to wait for it. It's so interesting that you wait for it and then, boom, it happens right on time. And you look back and you think, wow, God knew what he was doing. Isn't that interesting that God knew what he was doing? Of course, he always does. Well, let me give you several reasons that are gonna really encourage you today in the middle of the waiting. First, God created time and he rules over it. God created all things, including time and space. In Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God created time and therefore he stands outside of time and he rules over time. He's not limited by time and space. We're limited by time and our time is limited. But God created time and space so he stands outside of it and he's not limited by it. He's in the past, present, and future all at the same time. And you don't have to worry about the future because God is already there. And that means nothing surprises God. Every time in my life, when I've been blindsided by hurt and pain or loss, and I just never saw it coming, it's so comforting to know that nothing surprises God. None of it surprised God. He was already there waiting to comfort me, hurting for me. It didn't surprise God. It always surprised me. It always caught me by surprise, but it didn't surprise God. It was all part of God's plan. And the problems that will hit your life this year might blindside you but they won't surprise God, and they won't stop God from fulfilling his purpose for you. In Isaiah 46, verse nine, God says, remember the things I have done in the past 
for I alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Focus on the phrase in that passage, only I can tell you the future before it happens. God's the only one who can tell the future because he's already there. God's already in the future, so he's the only one who knows the future. Now, there are futurologists, people who actually get paid to look at social science and analytics and technology and make predictions about the future, and sometimes they get it right, but most of the time, they're really wrong. Then you have fortune tellers and mediums and psychics that try to tell the future, and every once in a while, they get one right, and people are so impressed. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. But God's standard time, he's right every second of every day throughout all eternity. That should encourage us. God's already there. He's waiting to strengthen you tomorrow. He's already there. He's waiting to strengthen you six months from now, a year from now. But there's another reason that we can trust God's timing. God operates on an eternal calendar. He has this eternal perspective. And in Psalm 90, it says, Lord, through all the generations, you have been our home. Before the mountains were created, before the earth was formed, you are God without beginning or end. God is without beginning or end. He stands outside of time. He's not limited by time and space. He knows the future. He's already there. And he has this eternal perspective where he sees the long view. He sees the big picture. The problem is we want everything instantly because all we can see is the here and now. All we can see is right in front of our face. And so it's so hard for us to get the long view, which is the best thing that we can have so we'll make better decisions in the present. We're limited by time. We can't see into the future. So all we can see is the here and now and we want things right away. This is reality right now. And it causes us to make a lot of bad decisions that create all kinds of problems in our lives. And that's why we have to align our clocks to God's clock. We have to synchronize our hearts to God's standard time because he knows the future, he sees it all, and we can only make good decisions when we're seeking him and praying for his will and for his direction in our lives because all we can see is the here and now. And that's why it's so important to spend time with God. You know, the most important habit you can develop this year is the habit of a daily time with God. That's why we're coming alongside you to help you out doing our daily video devotionals Monday through Friday. It's just three to five minutes on all of our um, social media sites, all of our platforms and our website. And it's me and our pastors who are just doing a little devotional on who you are in Christ, who you truly are. Because if you start believing who you are in Christ as a Christ follower, it changes the way you act because you can't change the way you act until you change the way you think and you stop believing lies, you believe the truth, and you start acting like who you really are. So connect with us tomorrow morning or whenever you can, connect with us online and, and then we have the scripture reading and just put it into your life because when you begin to connect with God, he gives you direction for your next step because he's already in the future he knows what's best for you. But we get so impatient. We want to hurry God up. We want things right now, and it causes us to make a lot of bad decisions in the present. We make our plan, 
and it's good to plan. Maybe it's a five-month plan or a five-year plan, and it's good to do, but God doesn't have a four- or five-year plan. He has an eternal plan. He sees it all. And many times we get impatient. We want instant victory. We want everything to happen right now. We want God to come through right now. And many times God has us in this healing process. And God is saying, I've got you in the waiting room and it's going to happen, but you just need to be patient. God has us in this miracle process where he's building our faith. He's getting us ready. He's preparing us for this great position. He's developing us for our destiny. And we get frustrated. We want it now. And God says, I want you to see the eternal view. I want you to synchronize your hearts with eternal standard time and see the big picture so you can make great decisions in the here and now. I'm so glad God has the eternal view, that he knows what's best for me. And some of the failures and the problems today are so important so I can have victory tomorrow, so I can have that miracle tomorrow. You know, Martin Luther King Jr., whose birthday we celebrate tomorrow, He always had the long view. And it really amazes me when I look back and I I study it. You know, there he was with injustice all around him. African Americans treated like second-class citizens and all the Jim Crow laws and all the threats and the pressures that he had, but he always had that long view, and that's why he had a dream. He had a dream that one day everyone would be judged not by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. And in his last speech, in the last really few sentences of his last speech, 24 hours before he was assassinated in Memphis, he said this, well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop and I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain, and I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there, but I want you to know tonight that as a people, we will get to the promised land. And I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. In 24 hours... He would be assassinated. But yet he had the long view. And he saw how the arc of history bends toward justice. And he saw what could happen. And we've still got a long way to go, of course, in our nation. But, but he saw this day coming. And he, see, he saw the future days coming. And, and God wants, that's the only way you can stay strong in the present through the problems and the pain of the present is you've got to see that God's got something in mind. And that's why you can fight the fight today in your life. That's why you can keep taking steps of faith in your life because you can trust that God has the long view. And when you obey him, it doesn't go to waste. When you don't see the victory today, it doesn't mean that God's not preparing you for great victory. He is. But there's a third reason I can trust God's timing, that it's perfect And that is delays never blow up God's plans. Delays never destroy God's plan. Hey, a delay is not a denial. There's a big difference between a no and a not yet. For those of you who are parents, you get that. You understand this. The other day, I had some of my grandkids over, and they were eating breakfast, but, you know, they wanted to eat candy. 
for breakfast. I said, you can't do that. That's not, you can't do that. You've got to eat your chocolate-covered donut before you take your candy. I mean, come on. You got to eat your breakfast for, see, as grandparents, we can do that. It's pretty awesome. You send them back, they're hyper, you know, and you don't deal with it. You know, they love you. It's great. But there's a big difference between telling your kids no and not yet. It's just not time yet. And a delay is not a denial. But the smaller your kids are, the less they understand it. And that means that when I don't understand it and I think, oh, God's telling me no, that means I'm immature as a Christ follower. But we see it all through scriptures. God told Noah to build a boat that would save his family from a great flood, but it didn't rain for 120 years. God told Abraham he'd be the father of a great nation, but he didn't have his first child until he was 99 years old. God told Moses that he would lead the people out of slavery from Egypt that they'd been in for 450 years, but then God sends Moses out to the desert for 40 years after he tells him that, just to wait. God gives Joseph this great dream that he'll save his family and his people from famine, and he'll be a great leader one day. But then Joseph gets sold into slavery. He gets falsely accused. He gets imprisoned. He's forgotten in the prison, but he wasn't forgotten by God. He's waiting there until finally God takes him from prison to the palace, and God positions him second in command of all of Egypt, and all the promises come true. King David God had King David anointed as king, but he didn't really get to be king until years later. He just had to run from crazy King Saul, even Jesus. He spent his first 30 years waiting in a carpentry shop before he started his earthly ministry. A delay is not a denial. Sometimes God's not saying no. He's just saying not yet. It's not time yet. And God's timing is always perfect. And sometimes there's a door in front of me that I know God is going to open. I've been praying about it. I know it's God's will. And God has spoken to my heart. You're going to walk through that door. And I try to walk through the door and the door's locked. And I want to knock the door down. It's like, God, I know this is a good thing. I know you're speaking to me that you want me to walk through this door. And God's saying, yes, but not yet. This is what I want for you but not yet. And when I finally walk through the door after God opens it, I walk through and then I see when I'm on the other side, it's like, of course, God. If I would have come through this too soon, then the blessing wouldn't have been there. God, your timing is perfect. There's so many times in my life where I've wanted to knock a door down and get out of the waiting room of life and just bust out of the waiting room of life, but God keeps the door closed And then later on, sometimes years later, I go, God, thank you that you didn't open that door for me at that time. I mean, I would have missed out totally. I would have settled for the good and missed out on your best. Let's just say that you're in an airplane and you got a five-hour flight. And on that five-hour flight, it gets to about four hours and you're sitting next to a couple of really annoying people and you're ready to get out of that waiting. You can't move around. You're just ready to get out, and so you just open the door and jump out. Well, now you don't even have to. It opens for you. But, uh, (laughs) I mean, how dumb would that be? How dumb would that be just to, you know, I'm tired of waiting, I'm gonna jump out. No, you need to wait another hour. What if you jumped out at four hours and 55 minutes, 
No, you need to wait another five minutes, and then you got to wait another 30 minutes as you just sit there, and then someone behind you thinks that they're more important than you because, hey, I've got to catch another flight, or I've got to get home. It's like, what do you think i got to do, buddy, you know? And they'll just run over you because they're more important than you. But anyway, forget all that. I'm just getting that out of my system. I don't know. It's like, one time I had to catch a flight, and, you know, I was like 30 minutes, and someone behind me is, please let me by, you know? I've got another flight in two hours. I just wanted to trip them, you know, on the way out. It's like, no, but someone would video it, and then it would go viral, and that's why we as pastors can't do what we want, so can't, can't afford to do what you want, you know, it's sad. I don't know what I was talking about, but anyway, it's just therapy, thank you, thank you, thank you. But no, you wait. Wait on God. Many times we jump out of the plane and we miss the blessing and it's destructive. Many times we make those decisions in the moment we settle for good, we miss out on God's best. But God always knows. His timing is always perfect. After Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the whole earth cried out for redemption and God promised redemption was on its way. But it was thousands of years later until the first Christmas when the Redeemer was born. This is such an interesting verse and I want you to look at it with me. Maybe you've never seen this, but in Galatians 4, 4, it says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Just focus on the phrase, but when the set time had finally come, the first Christmas was the perfect time for the first Christmas. It was a long wait, but it was worth the wait. And here's a principle of life. You can apply it personally today. The longer the wait, the bigger the blessing. Let that encourage you today. The longer the wait, the bigger the blessing. But the longer the wait, uh, the bigger the frustration begins to grow. But the longer the wait, the bigger the blessing. It's like a wave in the ocean. That wave builds up and it draws water off the beach and it builds up. That's why the interesting phenomenon happens during a tsunami where all the water just leaves the beach and it's drawn out to sea because it's building up a big, huge wave and you just see fish flopping around on the sand. And where did the ocean go? And there are no waves and there's this huge wait. But now everyone knows what that wait means. The big wave is coming. It's certainly on its way. And that's the way it is with God's blessings. The longer the wait, the bigger the wave. And some of you have been waiting and waiting and waiting for God to come through. And he's promised you that he's going to come through. But you're about to give up. You're getting discouraged. And God says, no, just be patient. It won't be overdue a single day. You're in the waiting room of life. And you're going, God, what are you doing? This makes no sense. God's just getting ready to bring in the big wave of blessing. And right before the big wave, you look out and there's nothing there. There's no wave. You know, everything's dry, everything's barren, but it's on its way, you hold on. Expect that wave because you can count on it. It's coming, it's just we tend to get discouraged because our hearts aren't synchronized with God's standard time. So what do I do knowing that no delay can blow up God's plan for my life? What do I do to really align my heart with God's heart? Well, first, don't run ahead of God. This is such a temptation when we're waiting. We get so impatient, we want to help God out. In Psalm 27, 14, it says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. He's saying, get tough 
and wait for the Lord. Don't get impatient, take heart, wait for the Lord. Hang in there, wait for the Lord. So many times I run ahead of God, I try to help him along or hurry him up, and it always ends in a mess. Do you remember Abraham? God promised him he'd be the father of a great nation, but he didn't have a child. He and his wife were elderly, and Sarah was barren. She could have no children, so they believed God. Then they started doubting. They felt like they needed to help God out. And so Sarah says, well, Abraham, maybe God wants you to sleep with my handmaid, Hagar, and that's the way God will provide a child for you to be the father of a great nation. And so Abraham sleeps with Hagar, and they have Ishmael. And of course, Ishmael becomes the father of all the Arab nations. And God says, hey, I'm even gonna bless this. I'm going to bless Ishmael. He'll be the father of all the Arab nations because God can turn things around even on mistakes. But then God works the miracle and Sarah gets pregnant and has Isaac, the father of the Jewish nation. And the crazy thing is those nations have been in conflict ever since. That's where it all started. Everything going on today in Israel and the Middle East, that's how it all started. Abraham, Sarah trying to help God out and run ahead of God. But I want you to see a second thing that you do while you wait. You don't run ahead of God. You look for God's purpose while you wait. You look for God's purpose while you wait. You, you don't just sit there and go, okay, nothing to do until God comes through. You look for God's purpose. So what is God's purpose in delays? Well, many times divine delays protect us. Divine delays protect us. In Psalm 33, 20, it says, we wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Focus on the word shield. Sometimes those divine delays protect us. Have you ever stopped to think when you're stuck in a traffic jam and you're running late and you're so frustrated and you're hitting the steering wheel going, what's going on here? That maybe God is protecting you from a wreck. We'll never know till we get to heaven. There's so many times that God protects us from something that We'll never know about until we get to heaven. And God allows us to be in the waiting rooms of life many times to protect us, but we don't know it. And Chris and I always say, rejection is protection. If you get rejected from that promotion, God closes the door and says, not yet, and you can't walk through it yet. He's protecting you many times. Maybe you didn't get that promotion at work and God shut that door and God's saying, not yet. Because if that happened, now you wouldn't be able to handle it. Or if that happened now, you know, it, it would end in frustration. If that happened now, it would draw you further away from God. Or he has something better just around the bend. Rejection is always protection. And maybe you just had a breakup in a relationship. And you're hurting deeply right now. God cares about that hurt. But rejection is protection. God's protecting you. You see, he's protecting you maybe from the good so you can receive God's best that's on its way. God says, not yet. God has us in the waiting rooms of life and we wanna hurry the healing process when we're hurt. And I love when God heals instantly. He does it many times at Woodland Church as we pray for healing, God heals instantly. And many times God heals in a process Maybe it's an emotional wound and God wants to bring emotional healing and he puts us in this healing process in the waiting room of life and it's like, God, how long will I have to deal with this hurt? How long will this feel crushing? 
How long? And God takes us through that process because he's preparing us, he's protecting us, and he teaches us things in the hurting we'd never learn without it. So divine delays protect us and divine delays prepare us. God uses divine delays to build our character, to prepare us for his purpose, to position us for the next level. Look at this next verse in Isaiah 30, 18. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord's a faithful God, blessed are those who wait for his help. So at the end, it says, wait for God. At the beginning, God says, I gotta wait for you. See, many times when we think we're waiting on God to come through, God's really waiting on us to grow up. He's waiting on us to learn to trust him. He's waiting on us for our character to be built so our character matches our calling because nothing is more pathetic than seeing someone in a high position whose character doesn't match their calling. And many times God has to tell me, not yet, because you're not ready yet. God's waiting to do what he wants to do in my life. He's ready. And I'm going, God, I'm waiting on you. When are you going to come through? And God says, I'm waiting on you. God's going, I'm ready. I'm just waiting for you to stop complaining and griping and grow up because right now your character is not matching this call that I have for you. You're not ready. It's in the waiting rooms of life that we learn to trust God the most. In those difficult waiting rooms of life, that's where God grows our character and builds us up and he's more interested in your character than your comfort. It's through the pain of waiting we learn to trust God and without faith it's impossible to please God. And when we wait on God and he builds our character, he's not waiting on us any longer. He comes through. But many times, God waits on us because he's preparing you for your destiny. He's preparing you for that new position that he has for you. And so those divine delays prepare us. But then also divine delays, they direct us. And this is really important. In Psalm 25, 4, it says, Make me know your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait all day long. He says, God, I want you, me, I want you to teach me your paths in this. I'm going to wait for you so you can direct me. And so many times, delays redirect your life. You're walking along a path that God has you on, and then boom, he just stops you. You hit a wall, and what happens is, when you're at that wall, you start looking around, and you see God's path for you next, and it's not going the way you're going. It's a change of direction, but you would never see it without that wall. God uses the waiting room of life to redirect us because delays never leave us where they find us. God uses them to turn us. And maybe the reason God has you in the waiting room is because he's bringing someone else into that waiting room that he wants you to minister to, that he's bringing someone else that he, he wants to bring in there because you're the only Jesus they're gonna see. And, and if you're not looking for God's purpose, if you're moping, griping, or complaining, then you're gonna miss it. You know, Chris and I, when we experience a delay, when a delayed flight, or whatever it may be, just any small delay, we start going, why does God have us here? Now, at first, we get really frustrated. At first, we're going, God, this makes no sense. This is so frustrating. What are they doing? You know, we start getting mad at people and all that. I just admit it. You know, I do. I'm just like you. 
Yeah, you're acting more spiritual than me again. You know, I know you. You know, you get frustrated too. But then God has showed us that it's almost always he's bringing someone in our path to encourage someone he's bringing into our path. And so I've got to be active and intentional and look and say, God, who are you bringing into my life that you want me to make a difference in their life? And then many times God is bringing someone into your life to make a difference in your life. Sometimes he brings you into someone else's life, and sometimes he brings someone else into your life to bless you. And if you're not looking for it, you'll miss the blessing. You'll miss the divine appointment that God has for you. Look at Psalm 37, 34. It says, wait patiently for God. Is that what it says? Wait patiently for God. No. Wait passionately for God. The first time I read this, I misread it. Wait patiently for God. Wait a minute. It's wait Passion. I didn't have my glasses on. So I said, wait, patient, wait passionately for God. Don't leave the path. He'll give you your place in the sun while you watch the wicked lose it. I love that. So you wait, but you're not just sitting down going, oh, I've got nothing to do. You wait passionately. What does that mean? You keep taking steps of faith along the path that he has you on. Just steps of faith. We want to do something great for God. We want God to do something great for us. And if he's not doing it right now, then, you know, we're not going to do anything. But God says, while you're in the waiting, just take the next step of faith. Take the next step of faith. Take the next step of faith. What is that next step of faith? Maybe for you, the next step of faith is really intentionally developing that habit of a daily quiet time. It's going to be a goal, and you're going to stick with it, and you're going to develop that habit to change your life. Or maybe the next step for you is joining the church. God says it's part of my plan for every believer. They're part of a local church. We have our membership class next Sunday, right after the 1130 service from one to three, and that's how you join Woodlands Church. God says, you gotta take the next step. You see, we think in the waiting room, there's nothing really to do. No, God says, don't worry about when I'm gonna come through. You just take the next step, and you be faithful no matter what. Passionately wait passionately wait. Take the next step. The, most question, the, the question I get asked the most is, what's God's will for my life and how do I know it? How do I know, how do I know what God wants me to do? I've got three or four paths in front of me. How do I know which path to take? Did you know all you have to do is follow God passionately and the path will find you? All you have to do is follow God passionately and the right path will find you. If you have the right passion, then the right path will come your way. You don't have to find the right path. It will find you. You just take the next step of faith, the next step of faith, the next step of faith, and God will guide you one step at a time when you're faithful, taking those steps. So what is the next step? Is it to start tithing, to put God first in your finances? What is the next step? You don't just wait around by sitting down and complaining. You take the next step. You take the next step. You do what you know to do from God's word. So you don't run ahead of God, you look for God's purpose, but then expect God to come through. God loves it when his kids believe that he's gonna come through. I mean, expect it, it might be today. It might be right now during this service. Expect God to come through. Expect him to come through. It might be tomorrow, it might be next year, but God will come through. And you need to look for it, and you need to wait for it, and you need to expect it. In Isaiah 40, 31, it says, but those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him, 
will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God. Like eagles rising toward the sun, they will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow tired. So waiting on the Lord is expecting him to come through. It's not griping or complaining, it's waiting on him. And sometimes it's painful, but God is building your character to match your calling. God is redirecting you to make a difference in someone's life or to let someone make a difference in yours. God is working through it all, but he's coming through. The miracle is just around the corner. Look at Genesis 15, six. It says, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. You see, he wavered, he doubted, he ran ahead of God, but then he believed that God was gonna come through when God said, you're gonna be the father of a great nation, even when he didn't see it. And God loved that because he expected God to come through. Hey, it was years later, but God came through. He believed it in advance. In Jeremiah 32, 17, it says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for God. So what impossible situation are you facing today? What dead end have you slammed into that you weren't expecting, that totally blindsided you? There's nothing impossible with God. And a dead end is really not a dead end to God. It's just the place right before your destiny. You see, God over and over again through his faith-building process will bring you to dead ends. Usually what happens is you have difficulties, then you're in the delay, and then the delay turns to a dead end. Isn't that exciting? But that's just the place right before deliverance. And over and over again, God will bring you to that place to build your faith. And you see God come through and it builds your faith. So if you're at a dead end, you're at X marks the spot for a miracle today. I know it doesn't feel good. I know it hurts. But if you're at a dead end in some area of your life, just through the next door is deliverance. And God's going to open that door. God works his miracles at the place of dead end. And when he gets you to the place where you realize it has to be God, then he gets all the credit. That dead end is just one stop before your destiny. Woodland Church, do you believe that? Do you, do you expect God to come through? That God's gonna come through for you because he loves you? You say, well, maybe God will come through for you, Pastor Kerry, or God will come through for others that, that love him. God will come, but I don't, I don't know if he's gonna come through for me. Do you believe God's gonna come through for you? Do you expect it? Then let's stand and let's thank him and let's pray to him. Stand with me right now and let's pray and thank God in advance. I don't know what you're waiting on. You don't know what I'm waiting on, but we're all waiting on God in some area of our lives. We're all at a dead end in some area of our lives and God's getting ready to knock the door down. Don't run ahead of him, let him knock the door down. but expect he's gonna come through. Do you expect he could come through right now as we pray? I believe God could come through right now as we pray to knock the door down in your life. Let's pray to him. Dear God, we know that you're the only one who can, that you can just knock the doors down in our lives when we're at a dead end and take us to deliverance, to take us to that place of blessing. And we know, Lord, that when the wait is longer, the blessing is bigger. So I pray for those who've been waiting and they're in this place of hurting and delay, just remind them of all your promises. Remind them of all your promises. Help us, Lord, to look around and see what you're doing. 
but Lord, we do expect you to come through. And I pray right now that you would do miracles in lives, that you would begin the process of healing, that you would begin this process of knocking the doors down and that you would do some of those things just instantly so that they would see that you're God. But Lord, I know that some of those doors won't come down right now because you're building our character. You're making us more like yourself and you're preparing us for a greater position. The longer the wait, the greater the wave. And we believe that. We expect you to come through. We thank you you're gonna come through. And I pray for those who don't know you, Lord, that they would just pray this prayer. Jesus Christ, I need you to save me. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. I accept your free gift of heaven one day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Woodlands Church. He's up to great things. And next week, we start our new series. It's Personal Trainer. Do you want God to be your personal trainer this year? We're gonna talk about building your faith muscles. We're gonna talk about the body. It's a message I'm just preaching to myself and physical fitness and what the Bible says. We're gonna talk about relational fitness, financial fitness, so don't miss it next weekend as we kick off the New Year series coming up. God's up to great things, Woodland Church. And here's the thing. I believe God wants to do some things right now, right here, some things this week, some things next year, big things in our lives, expect it, but it's all from his name, the power of his name. We can't work it up. We can't change a life. We can't do a miracle. We can't knock the door down. The door will knock us down if we try to knock the door down. But God can, and it's in the power of his name. Let's sing that in the power of his name. Sing it right now. There's power in the name of Jesus. Just say in the name of Jesus, there's power in it. Think about the miracle you need. Think about the door you need knocked down. And let's sing this to the Lord. And just in your heart and mind, sing the name of Jesus and believe that he's going to knock the door down. Let's thank him right now in advance. Do you expect it? What time is it? Yeah, that's a lot better than when you started. Let's do it. Let's sing to the Lord. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.